Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money. We like that. All in one place for totally free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your cellular telephone or your computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else, those other places that podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify, and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&As and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions, and best of all, it's totally free zero catch we've been using it ever since we started how long gone and ever since i discovered spotify for podcasters i feel like having the option of turning off the q a's and the polls on the user dashboard <laughs> has really helped uh, boost my creativity and take it to another level i highly recommend giving it a try download the spotify for podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started What's up, bitch? Hello, loser. How you feeling today, Big TJ? Uh, I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling a little hungover, actually. Did you get so last night, guys? I I did a drop in at our at friend of the show Decatur Dance House in the Outpost neighborhood of of Hollywood, California, and um, you know they were they were working on a a, a rib project with the big the famous uh, smoker, the Big Green Egg, and it it, it was taking a long ass time. Jason, could you? Could you maybe give us some intel on that? Well, yeah, cooking ribs on a smoker or any any type of meat that you are smoking does take a long time. And actually, ribs compared to other types of barbecue are probably the you know some of the faster cooking times compared to something like uh, you know a, a, a smoked brisket or or something like that, which could take you know, eight to 12 hours potentially. And a lot of, a lot of prep time before. So it is a long time. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you, you smoke it for a couple hours at 250 degrees Fahrenheit. And then, then you pull the ribs off, you wrap them in foil, you pour in a liquid of some sort, like beer or apple juice or wine or, you know, something like that. Give it. And then the fact, the fact that it can be any of those things is kind of crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, it really is dealer's choice of what it is. All you're all you're doing is is steaming inside of there. So like I the see. first couple hours is to get some some good smoke on it, and then the second is to kind of help it tenderize by steaming it. Mm. And then you know you do that for a couple hours. It's it's called like the two two one method, where you smoke it for two hours, you wrap it in foil and steam it you know so to speak for two hours and then you unwrap it and then you kiss it directly (laughs) back on you know back on there for one hour to develop the bark of the barbecue put the sauce on and let it let it get sticky okay big pit master tj uh look baby back i'm a baby back maniac at this point and oh my god you you asked so 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 don't act like i'm giving you this info Against your I guess will. this is a good time to announce your new YouTube cooking show, Baby Back Maniac, for the <laughs> Bon Appetit channel. Um, congratulations on that deal. Yeah, uh, it, it turned, had, you know it worked out. 
I um, ordered uh, Postmates delivery of M Cafe and enjoyed that while Jason, Dan, and KK slaved it over a hot kitchen. But mm-hmm. um, I-, I left before the final results, so I wanted to hear, hear was it good? It was good. They uh, Unfortunately, on the Big Green Egg, there were some... I had never used it before, and, and there were some some pieces of equipment that we did not have that were, you know, you're supposed to, there's like a little thing that you set down. So the, the, the fire from the charcoal does not directly touch it. Yeah. And he did not have that. So, so some of the parts did get a little too, little too charred for my liking. Unfortunately, I hate when I hate when something gets too charred for my liking. Yeah. So, you know, Back to the drawing board, but you know, in, in order to master making ribs or smoking meat like that, it, it it literally takes years or decades to really, you know, get to a level where you are happy with it. I would say, yes, to be a yes, true no. master. Yeah, no, of course, and I, I understand that you'll never reach that point, but I like to watch you try. Um, so so it was good. <laughs> it was good, but not great. It was good, but not great. I did make some uh, some southern greens. Which you, I, I would like to say, I did watch you pour Hennessy into that pot. <laughs> um, which I don't know what if the recipe called for that. If you were just having a little cheeky moment with Dan, but the, the recipe was, did not call for Hennessy. But you know, TJ felt crazy. You wanted to trick it. I've been seeing a lot of videos on TikTok where some <laughs> people will do Hennessy cooking and recipe preparation, and I just wanted to feel, you know, like I was a part of that conversation as well. I love feeling like part of something. I, I was I was unfortunately appropriating henny culture, but you know it's fine. I was I was amongst southern men, and it wasn't like we went to the store to you know buy a bottle of Hennessy just for this fun no, parody no. Decatur, thing. Obviously, a man with Decatur in his name keeps the henny on Deckington. Yeah, the henny was already on in in the liquor cabinet, and it was I would it say was the mostly was, gone. Actually, I was going to say I was about to say that it wasn't a full bottle either. You know what I mean? That shit had had a little no. sip. There had you know, somebody been sipping. Many a nip had been taken from that bottle of of uh, fine <laughs> fine cognac. Cognac, but yeah, um, adding a little alcohol to your greens will help you know get a little flavor, steam it up. Some people put vermouth in there, a real southern charm. They say to put a thimble full of vermouth in your collard greens. Wow, I didn't know that one. <sighs> yeah, I learned that one. Uh, that might I'm, be I'm, North Carolina style, though. I'm learning a lot from you um, mm-hmm. today. We also made that. Annie's macaroni and cheese from a box, which I'm really having a, a renaissance time with. So like a, a faux healthy mac and cheese. Yeah, like uh, you know the the craft macaroni and cheese box that everyone grew up eating. The Annie's Natural Foods has made one, you know, yes. a, a, a more organic, healthier, less processed right. version of it that pretty much tastes the exact same. So this is this is like your version of of the unreal candy that I love so much. This is just a, a slightly healthier version of my favorite Reese's peanut butter cups. One hundred percent. Except the flavor of the of the Annie's mac and cheese, you know, uh, to me is as uh, you're not losing anything compared to the craft. Whereas with with an unreal candy, it, it it does not hit quite the same. I would disagree only because I prefer dark to a milk chocolate. So the 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 option of dark chocolate in, is is not available from the Mars Corporation, so they 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 had to freak it a little bit for us, you know, health nuts. Um, uh, well, yes, you know what? It was a, it was a 
it was a fun night and that's all that matters and i'm glad you got uh, some experience on the big green egg and i think it's something honestly all joking aside you could probably get good at it you just need to buy your own you know yeah i mean you know I'm, i i i grill on a weber grill you know at least once a week in the in the warmer months so i'm i'm very confident in my grilling abilities but you know smoking ribs and true pitmaster bbq is really really hard to to nail a daytime to learn and a lifetime to master that's how i feel about yeah skateboarding um so so but i am hung over because i was recording an episode of of failing fits podcast yes and so jason was locked in decatur dan's guest bedroom Mm, um, with a bottle of I, a bottle of seltzer water, a bottle of red wine, and a, a giant mason jar full of ice, and I was pouring up red wine spritzers and, you know, doing whatever that podcast was with those guys. I don't even. You know, <laughs> it, I, it was it was three hours of recording, and I don't even really know what I said or what was discussed whatsoever. I don't even. I, we I talked for three hours but we did not have a conversation if that makes sense sure and that's the difference i think between our podcasts you know this is more of a conversation that's more of like a you know a, a it's, argument it's, I a, would say. it's a skewering uh, gotcha gotcha moment style did, broadcast but there how, but the hatchet was buried we did we did reach a pod truce uh and it was it was beautiful to see i would i would like to say that as the i would say uh leader um, of all of this, I, I don't think a truce can be reached without me involved. So that's a good point. I would I would need that paperwork to come to my team um, before <laughs> they were clearly before. trying to work work this through behind your back. Exactly. They 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 found they found you. They knew you were the weaker link. Um, mm-hmm. Just just li- like you know, I'm more litigious than you is what I would say. So. <laughs> They 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 went. They found soft Big Bird, and they went at him. And you crossed enemy lines, and you know we didn't even discuss it that much beforehand, which I I actually prefer, um, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't like to think about that. I don't like to think about these guys cribbing off of the genius that I discovered, Jason Stewart, them jeans, <laughs> TJ. You know what I mean? I pulled you out of the slums of Atwater and put you on Hollywood stage. Yeah, and these guys these guys swoop in and just think they can crib off of that, and it's it's. And not only is it offensive, it's hurtful. You know mm. what I mean? It's hurtful. But I understand for your personal brand that you had to do it, and I respect you for it. <laughs> I, I I used to belong to the streets, and now I belong to black. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's it's not official, but I think it's understood by both by both sides in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can't wait to hear that. When does when does the them jeans? Uh, how how long gone? Um, failing fits <laughs> crossover episode blast off into the world wide web. I think it should be up next week, maybe on Tuesday. And I, uh, you know, unfortunately, I don't have access to their Discord channel where their minion, million, minions you, will uh, produce some some pool quotes and things like so that. So you do. So we're confirming that you do breathe out of your nose, not your mouth. That's good. To, <laughs> that's good to know. I think that I think that I will I will personally monitor the failing fits reddit thread to see the jason because you know each episode gets its own its own you know subreddit so i will be i maybe not subreddit i don't know what these fucking nerds Uh, yeah a different a new thread is started for each episode a new thread yeah and and just a quick update from um chris blackland i did get up at 7 a.m this morning to talk to um (laughs) so yes i want to talk about this some danish uh a danish radio station 
uh, got in touch with me to talk to, to talk to me about Oliver, my my um, swag surfer uh, in Copenhagen. Um, so I had a nice chat with these these friendly um, Copenhagen residents. I, I, I believe it's like the NPR equivalent of of of, uh, mm-hmm. of their country. So, yes, and, 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 and NPR. And for the record, Oliver refused to be interviewed for this program, um, but I was happy <laughs> happy to offer my time. And, and they did say that it had become a little bit of a thing uh, in their country. A little bit of a thing, yeah. Unfortunately, Oliver, we've been, we've been talking for the last few days. I've been trying to get a one-on-one pod with him. Sans, sans black, but I think he, he unfortunately may have gotten a little scared off or was, was afraid of what would happen if that happened. Or maybe he's just trying to forget that this whole thing ever happened forever and, you know, having me ask him questions about it for an hour and then broadcasting it to thousands of people would not be helpful for that. Yes, that makes sense. I'm going to... I mean, I, I will. I, I have. They will send me the audio clip with a timestamp, and I will share that on social media. Um, yeah. So fun- what? So what? Do you have a sneak sneak peek? What'd you guys get into? I mean, they were basically just like, "How does this make you feel?" And mm-hmm. I was like, "I don't. I don't give a shit." And they were like, "That's nice to hear because people here really care." <laughs> and and uh, and and I think, but he he did he did describe Oliver as a guy he would. And this is obviously this was in broken English, but not not. He basically described Oliver as a guy he'd want to be next to in the bar because there'd be free drinks and chicks, which I thought was cool. Interesting. So that means Oliver's getting his little thang on at the club, um, which which makes me like him more. Um, Oliver I, Oliver is is not only using and plagiarizing Chris Black's <laughs> content output, um, you know, to better his career and his social media. Um, social media following and and you know his Tumblr page, etc. He's also using it to get his little ding dong wet. Yes, I don't know what the the Danish word for ding dong black is, style. But, <laughs> but yeah, I guess he's sipping rosé at the club, and 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 chicks love him. Um, I you know, <laughs> I would say I, I can't. He also he also told them that they aren't the same glasses. They aren't Cutler and Gross. Oh really? He did confirm that, which makes me feel a little better. That is a how fact, long gone exclusive. But the fact that he knew that they weren't Cutler and Gross is also problematic. If that makes <laughs> sense. So, you know, I'm just glad to. I think this is the final nail in this coffin. I'm happy to put it to bed. Um, and you know, mm-hmm. I hope this guy's livelihood isn't taken away because he stole some stupid tweets from me. It's it's not worth it. I I don't want his livelihood taken away. I don't want him to, you know, jump off of a glacier or whatever <laughs> they they might have out. I I know they do have buildings over there, but you know, <laughs> I want. But he should he should feel a little little bit of sting of of punishment. Yeah, yeah. You know, he should he should get a bop on the nose or a rolled up newspaper swatted on his on his metaphorical bottom at the very least. Just to know that, you know, you you can do a lot of things in this world nowadays, but you can't just completely plagiarize a known person's identity, you know, in almost every way possible online and not have everybody around you say, what the fuck are you doing? That's really weird. Yes, 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 yes. So Oliver, one day we'll have you on the show. Hey, maybe you're actually a, f- a funny and cool guy. 
I mean, I already forgot about you, fam, to be honest, but Jason can do what he wants. Oh. Um, you already know what the fuck going on. Um, <laughs> you know, Jason, we do have a guest today, um, an old friend of mine and a an, an Atlanta uh, graduate, much like myself. Um, Justin Gage is his name. Um, he is the proprietor of the excellent, excellent um, music website, Aquarium Drunkard. Um, mm-hmm. he also is a popular music supervisor in Hollywood and he owns the, the bar slash venue slash hotel called gold diggers in Hollywood slash recording studio slash studio. Yes. Which we'll, we'll get into all of that. But Justin is a guy who I think has like incredible taste in music and I learn stuff from him all the time. And I think that he's been able to build his, his, you know, blog basically into a, a business, um, and a destination and, and kind of like in a, in a, in a cool niche world of um, Mm -hmm. white people music that I really like. Uh, So, so we're going to, we're going to give him a call. All right, let's give this white guy a call. Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options? Feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same. Fear not because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home chef, is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions... Speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, I like to chop myself, or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes. Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, witty options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 Per month on groceries. Mamma mia. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering my listeners, our listeners, 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechef.com slash how long. That's homechef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. (laughs) How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health. Uh-oh. And internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly Thicker, stronger hair. Go ahead, give it a tug. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth suppy with over 1 million people seeking thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with considerably less shedding. Thank God. Take the first step <laughs> to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month's subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code how long? All one word. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L. I got Raf on the nut. <laughs> Dot com promo code how long. That's Nutrafol.com promo code how long. How long gone 
is brought to you by our dear friends at BetterHelp, Jason. BetterHelp. You know, the summer travel season is coming up. Luckily, my BetterHelp therapist also fancies themselves a bit of a travel agent. So for maybe the first half of our sweet sessions, we were spent off, obviously off clock going through, you know, hotels, ferries, <laughs> car rentals, restaurant recommendations. It's as if I have two wives. I have two wives inside of me. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so uh, it, it is a fun way to find and connect different therapists. You get one that you really like. You guys are gossiping. You guys are chit-chatting. You guys are talking about your personal interests. Next thing you know, it's time to actually do the work. So it feels good building those uh, mental health relationships with people you actually like. And on BetterHelp, there are so many different therapists to choose from. I don't like anyone. If you're thinking of starting <laughs> therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash how long. Nice. How are you, bro? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, just floating through the madness of, of 2020, as we all are. Sure. Um, <laughs> adjusting to our seven-year-old's uh, virtual learning. Which, Damn, that's a real bummer, huh? <laughs> uh, man, I, I, I have to imagine it's one of the more social times in one's development. So the fact that uh, yeah. these children can't interact is, yeah, it's something else. So is he on? Is it like a Zoom situation, or is it like a special program? Okay, they, they didn't, I don't know if they developed some software. You know, well, yeah, this is full on Zoom. It's through uh, this technology called Schoology. So from you know nine to two in the afternoon, he logs in and his <laughs> class is on there with the teacher. And sounds you know, just like doing- Chris Black so far. <laughs> yeah, this, yeah. I don't. I'm not. I'm seeing a lot of similarities to my own life as a 37 year old man. So. I, I, you know, I'm happy for him, uh, but that, that does sound unfortunate. Is, is he having a hard time like focusing or has it been okay? It's been great. He's thankfully very independent, but it's kind of, uh, it's kind of bizarre in our house. I've got my office. Um, my wife has her office. He's in his bedroom. So we're all, uh, on this constant, virtual zoom land so we'll see each other like in the kitchen sure sure for a a snack or something so your your house has become a we work space (laughs) that's right that's right by default and you feel like have roommates that you also have married (laughs) and birthed (laughs) right i I hope you're not i hope the internet isn't slowing down you know what i mean i feel like that's a lot of you're you're leaning hard on the world wide web yeah we've certainly had some challenges with bandwidth i think it's getting a little better as this thing continues uh, to drag on, but yeah, certainly in the beginning, um, everything was a little bit sluggish. I'm uh, now. Did you uh, you obviously have the site um, which we talked about in the intro, which we can get into, but you also do a serious XM show um, that is is it weekly or monthly? Yeah, it is every Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night, and are you so? How is were you always doing that remote, or is that new? It, I would say it was 75% uh, remote just from my, my home office studio. If I would have somebody big come in, like uh, like a couple of years ago, John Cale, you know, Shit. I wasn't going to have 
you know, him come over to my my duct tape together uh, studio. So we did go into the the Sirius XM offices off Wilshire, but most of the time it's it's just mostly yeah here from home. Is I mean that seems ideal for that in my opinion, but I, I'm I'm glad that it wasn't a big shift since everything else has been a fucking shift. Does yeah, does your yeah. how does your show compare to the Howard Stern show on Sirius in, in terms of <laughs> listenership? I just have a lot more listeners than Howard. That's that's about the the only difference there. That's just a fact. And I, I didn't see I didn't see Harry Styles do watermelon sugar on the aquarium <laughs> on the aquarium drunkard right. show. But speaking of have you listened, have you dug into the Harry Styles album? I would love to get your take on this. I have not, but I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> well, it's an it's an absolute fucking classic, and I act I actually think that you would like it more than you think you would. I have to be honest. It's it's much All more right. It's much more musical, and I think that I read a whole story about how hard it was for him to break into the like the rock charts because of his history as a boy band guy, and uh-huh. like historically that that crossover is just impossible. Um, but Watermelon Sugar's number one song was the number one song in the country for you know consecutive weeks. Um, but I think you would like it more than you would you know w- would would want to admit to yourself. Well, if my son wasn't downstairs on his Zoom call, I could go. Uh, I could go. Pull him for his opinion too. That's what I mean. Yeah, what is he like? Are you putting him on? Is he like downstairs listening to Dylan in between classes, or is or is he, he still... listening to Six Nine like a cool three year old? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> is he listening to rap music like all other kids his age? So his his birthday is this weekend, and we're Virgo, having like Virgo, a, a Virgo season. season, baby. That's right. That's right. We're having like this this very small like using two children are coming over this outdoor look just uh, justin this is a super spreader positive show so you don't have to lie <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can you, you can say exactly <laughs> right, what's right, going right. on so he he did put together a playlist on spotify for his birthday and he watches he's really into to legos he likes to build mm-hmm. um and they use a lot of kind of stock library music in the background so he was like what can i what can i put on there that kind of sounds like that and like the closest thing i could find was like the first couple of daft punk records so he's he's suddenly a, a super fan wow so that's all right. I, i've found that a lot of friends of mine who have kids they all really love daft punk really yeah it's just you I know it's it, just you know? it's, yeah. it's it's fu- it's funky it makes you want to dance it's pretty you know there's no bad words and the production quality is excellent you know, I'll tell you one thing he's really into, and I didn't really even push this. I don't even know how this started, but he's really into Bob Marley. And I've heard that children really do gravitate toward uh, <laughs> reggae. And I don't know if it's kind of bouncy or, or what. I, the, I the think it's an intelligence is. level thing where, I, I mean, no shade to reggae, but, you know, I, reggae music is cool and fine. But if I'm fucked up or if I'm very high, it, then you're like, OK, I get it now. Totally. So you know, enter the mind of a, a child. Yeah, it takes on a different resonance for sure. I, mm. I, um, I reggae makes a lot of sense. Daft Punk is surprising me. Reggae makes a lot of sense to me. I think you're right. The bounce of it, I do think, right. like that to me seems childlike in some ways. Um, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely. Chris, do play him uh, a little Dylan that doesn't that doesn't escape his ears. We we know. I mean, that's so. So uh, I describe. I talk about Aquarium Drunkard a lot because it's like my you know my favorite music site. I've told you that many times. But I it's think Chris's that, um, pitchfork. It's my it's my pitchfork exactly. You guys don't give like unnecessary reviews to top forty music. Um. So the um. 
But I think, you know, it, it started in the era of, of the music blog and you've been able to turn it into a full industry almost, whereas most of those blogs have kind of, have kind of gone away. And do you think that's because you just diversified or is that because you think you had a niche and just kind of stuck to what you knew? You know, I think uh, it was from the get, it was just dictated to what I was interested in the, in the time. Yeah. Um, you know, wasn't, you know, driven by uh, whatever was trending or, or fashionable. So I think as it's grown, you know, it's 15 years now and um, having a, brought on a group of contributors and an editor, um, it, it stuck to that same ethos. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, that is probably the, if there's any secret recipe to, to its longevity, I think that it, it hasn't really changed in its, what, what, its what would you say direction. that, what would you say that ethos is exactly? Only the good shit. Oh, there, yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's my approach to life actually as well. So I'm glad that we can align on that. But I mean, I do think that the, um, you know, I just, I feel like you're, you've created something that you're able to plug a lot of, it, it, it has, more variety than maybe people would think as far as like what the actual, you know, I can, I can think of like five or 10 marquee artists that I would tie to you. Um, but also I think that it, it's able to splinter off in a way. And I think partly that's because of the contributors. Absolutely. Um, somebody, the website turned 15 in May and someone was interviewing me about it. And, you know, I was just talking about how you, you almost have to take this 10,000 foot view of it at first to kind of wrap your head around because it's a lot of different stuff, but there is some sort of uh, through line to the sauce. And I'm not sure if I can really even put my finger on it, but there is some sort of uh, connectivity between what we're covering. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the artwork. I think there's like a general, like you guys put a lot of effort and, and time, I think, into making like original stuff. Um, which I don't. I don't think a lot of sites in your position would be doing. But also, yeah, I mean, I think you're you're the proprietor. You founded it, and you're still involved. So it's like that is the through line, probably. You know what I mean? Is that there's just somebody that is that is overseeing it and has been from day one with their personal taste. Yeah, I I think that you know whether it's a a visual aesthetic component or whatever it is, I think all of that stuff is is really crucial in terms of. Um, just creating something that feels of a piece and whole, you know, whether that's a website or a magazine or a, you know, a bar, um, in any kind of space, whether it's virtual or physical. What's up with this record collection, fam? It looks really OD. What's that? You have too many records, bro. It's (laughs) not like, I I don't, what are you going to do with that? Like, do you sell them? Do you buy them? Do you trade them? Or do you only buy them? No, I, I buy, I sell, I trade. Um, in terms of what am I going to do with them, man, I just, I don't ever want to have to sell my house and move because I don't want to have to <laughs> go move. through that that nightmare again. That just seems like a lot of fucking, I mean, I, are you ripping stuff? Are you like going down that full rabbit hole? It depends. Um, obviously, some of this stuff never made it to CD, or yeah. obviously digital. So some of that stuff I will rip from the vinyl, but... Uh, you know, it, it, it's nothing I how many I enjoy doing. How many records do you think you have right now in total? I have no idea. I'm I'm one of those people that can walk into a room and I I couldn't tell you how many people are in there, but mm-hmm. I mean it, it's too many. It's thousands and thousands. What about you know if if somebody was to hit you up on Discogs, um, you know, hit you on the DMs and be like, I'm gonna I want to buy your whole collection. 
what's that what's that price hitting for uh I never really thought about it, man. That's a great question. We need to know. Um, we are because we, yeah. we might get an offer from one of our listeners. We, you know, we have a high tax bracket in, you know, on that's this right. listener on this podcast. So, you know, somebody could yeah. pull up with a quarter of a million. But have you? Is this been since high school, or has this been like more as an adult? I mean, it's. I've still got my my first record, which was um, Michael Jackson's Thriller that my parents gave me when it came out, and then. I've still got the first record I bought with my own money, which was licensed to ill. So yeah, it goes it goes Shit. pretty far back. Yeah, that's that's impressive. At least you're dedicated. You know what I mean? There's a there's there's another through line, uh just full dedication. So you've been supporting Michael Jackson for a long time, is what you're saying. <laughs> a long a long time. A long time. That's, that's really interesting. Good. Okay. Uh yeah, yeah. But I, I did get rid of my, you know, my poison and rat cassettes and uh, CDs so yeah well I didn't, what, I didn't hang what, what's this. your philosophy on on playing or listening to an artist that has been canceled for you know bad things man that's tough I mean if we were to really <laughs> you know look if we were to really get into I mean, this you're not um, I mean I don't think that you're you're you know you're getting booked to DJ a wedding and, and playing multiple R. Kelly requests but you know something <laughs> right you know like old those old classic mj songs you know people some people are very against that being played in a, in a public setting uh, you know at a at a bar or a wedding or an event and some people are are totally fine with it yeah i mean th- those are the some of the some of the songs of my life so i'm never gonna stop liking those but um Jesus, if you really wanted to dig into it, I mean, there's a we do. Uh, I don't know. A lot, a lot of people's record collections would be gone if they, <laughs> well, if they really the, started I mean, looking that's, into yeah, this stuff. That's the reality of it, and I think that like that is what is so interesting, you know. And and I mean, when we saw each other, you know, we talked about some of the stuff that was going on at the time. But I, I do think that the you know historically, if you look into the to the music business, it's not great. Or or, um, or any you know like any you know. Any Woody Allen movie or Tarantino or or any artist or all, you know all types of art forms and and creative cultures are full of some bad people. It's hard to separate the music from the person for me, even though I, I don't I think mean, that's you know, true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, actually, though, it's like I don't catch like you know Ryan Adams is my perfect example of this because mm, yes. I'm like a, I'm, I'm a longtime fan. I don't really. I don't. I think I don't think about it as much anymore because he's not in the zeitgeist the way he was. Does that right. does that make sense? Like I think it's right. like I of course love that music, but like if he was putting out something new, that would implore me to to revisit the catalog. You know, if he's if he's doing something on Twitter, or he's doing something on Instagram, that would implore me to listen to his music. But when somebody is is exiled, I'm not thinking about it as much as I was before. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I let's just take Michael. Jackson, if like "Don't Stop Till You Get Enough" comes on the radio, my first thought isn't about him being a monster in that yeah. documentary that came out last year. It's just yeah. it's just the tune. So I guess um, maybe what you're saying, Chris, about it just being um, more in the zeitgeist. Like obviously the Michael Jackson thing is is nuts and horrible, but that's yeah. That's I, I, I feel I feel the same way. On. If if an old MJ song comes on, you know, I I am not thinking about him spreading his butthole for a three year old. <laughs> but if but if if an R Kelly song does come on the radio, I do. I'm yeah, pretty totally. quickly thinking about him urinating on a on a child. Yeah, same. It's actually I I would agree with that. But I think the R Kelly thing. I mean, the Michael Jackson thing is still kind of contested. The R Kelly thing is 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 agreed upon globally. That's true. Right. 
that makes a difference too. There's still a lot of Michael Jackson truthers out there. I mean, yeah, of course. Um, you don't want and, that. You don't want that to go down. That could ruin your whole life if you've devoted your whole life to MJ. That's that. I mean, that's honestly true. But he is. I mean, he really could dance. You know, um, mm-hmm. the and and Justin, you're also uh, you're from ATL, baby. Um, that's right. So I think we should go through just just to educate Jason and also some of the listeners. You know, I think that. We should do a little bit of like a power ranking on 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 music from Georgia because I feel like you're extremely w- well versed in this, whereas I'm a little less so. And I think you could even remind me of some stuff, you know, because I would really you know, give I'm our thinking- global in- audience what they want. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> extremely specific regional bands from Georgia. But no, that's the thing. That's what I'm trying to explain to you. It's not that regional. We're talking REM. We're talking Black Crows. We're talking Pylon. You know what I mean? One, like of, my, one of my favorite debut records of all time, that debut from the B-52s. B-52s, Jason, that's a worldwide smash. Um, it is. I, I, I like the B-52s. Uh, Mesopotamia, great song. But do we think that, Justin, if you're looking at it from now as like an L.A. long, you've lived in L.A. a long time, and I, I haven't yeah. been in Atlanta a long time. Are you thinking of Athens as more of the music city versus Atlanta? Um, I think so. I went to school. I went undergraduate. Uh, I lived in Athens for four years. It was during the '90s, which was it just coincided with the uh, you know the Elephant Six really gaining all that traction. Yeah. Um, Olivia Trimmer Control and Neutral Hotel and Elf Power and all those bands. Um, yeah. I mean, when, when I think uh, of more contemporary music over the last twenty-five years, thirty years, my my uh, my head does go to Athens, but you know Atlanta. Like, man, I I'm a huge deer hunter fan same you know obviously atlanta big deer hunter head what do you think why athens like i i think this is i've always wondered this myself is it just a perfect kind of kind of combo of like timing and and like rent price and like like college being there like why do you think a a place like that because there's a few other cities in america like that right that become these these hubs of kind of like indie rock you know for lack of a better term um but they're not major cities necessarily what do you is it something in the water or is there some factors that you can kind of chalk up yeah well i think if we're we're talking about the the very early days of when you think of athens music late 70s early 80s i think things kind of coagulated in that there was the art school there um there was you know sleepy college town there wasn't a lot to do um those people were putting bands together just to have something to do on the weekends for house parties and you know, once you had B-52s, uh, Pylon, Love Tractor, R.E.M., then I think people started deliberately moving there, you know, like you said, trying to see if there was something in the water. I mean, that happened in Atlanta. I mean, during my era of Deer Hunter, Black Lips, Mastodon, the same thing kind of happened. Like, it's all of a sudden, like, people are moving there. I'm like, I think you guys <laughs> got this shit confused. <laughs> like, these kids, these guys, like, went to high school here. They didn't, they didn't choose this. It was chosen for them. You know what right. I mean? Well, um, I think the, the 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 most prime example of that is Seattle and in the grunge scene. Yeah, that's true. Of of a non major major city becoming that musical hub where people from all over the world will travel to 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 get a piece of that sauce. Oh that, yeah, I mean, in the nineties, Seattle was synonymous for you know alt rock, grunge, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I Seattle is also so remote to me. 
Like as far as a place, like I mean, like Olympia, Washington, for example, also ha- is like an Athens kind of thing in uh-huh. some way. In some ways, which again, it's, it's it, it, all those factors feel the same to me. Like small town, kind of sleepy. I imagine that they're the co- the college brings people there, and then they find out, you know, they find other people and they start bands. It's it's that simple, I guess. But Seattle is like, I mean, that's kind of the middle of nowhere. Atlanta, it feels a little more central than that. You're just saying that because yeah. it's a Delta hub, Chris. No, that's not true. That's not true. I like Seattle a lot, actually. I've been there a handful of times. I just don't like. I I don't think that like uh, it, it. Just it's far from. I guess when touring, when you start talking about touring, it's 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 mm, a, it's mm-hmm. it's very it's in the top corner. It's like being from. You got to go out of your way, really. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Uh, I think also Athens, very close to Atlanta, and I don't know if it still is. When I was there in the '90s, extremely inexpensive. I think my rent was, I was living with two other guys. I think it was like $130 a month or something. Jesus Christ. So So you, you, you could, you could, you know, have a a job washing dishes and do your band. You know, you weren't having to. So so your overhead was so low. Back then when you were paying 150 for rent, what, what was your job? How were you making that money? I was in school and I worked at a record store. I was a record store clerk. Mm. Oh, so you're a classic. Yeah, which record store did you work at? It was called Backtracks. It was on Clayton Street downtown. It's okay. long since gone. So yeah. what was what was your vibe as a record store employee? Were you the omniscient, all-knowing dickhead, or were you like the friendly, let-me-put-you-on kind of guy? I, I was the latter. Um, <laughs> I was I was the, I guess I was the youngest clerk there. I guess I started working there when I was 19, and it was this massive, just crash course in music history. Um, I often say that, you know, those, those clerks that I worked with, they kind of helped me recontextualize my parents' record collection. Like, you know, I went off to school and, um, you know, I, I, I was listening to what I thought was very underground music at the time, like uh, Slint or Jesus Lizard or Fugazi sure. or whatever. And, you know, working at that store, these guys were like, you know, you haven't heard Stevie Wonder's talking book? And I was like, oh, oh you know, I my see. dad had that record. But then I, I you know, he was, was hearing it with new ears. Mm-hmm. I do think there's that, I think when you're super in that, er, like, that was at least how I was with, like, hardcore and punk. I definitely missed stuff because I was like, that's mainstream. I don't get That tunnel shit. vision. Right. Yeah, and it's, like, so negative to be that way. You know what I mean? I wonder, I don't think kids today, I think they're exposed to so much more that it's a little easier to understand the nuance of stuff. But, yeah, I was completely closed off but but with hardcore and punk for whatever reason you know like the smiths and the cure and like Susie and the banshees and shit is acceptable yeah so, like, like adjacent yeah right, yeah right. which i've still never really put my finger on why that is the case um and and there's like this these handful of of almost always british you know bands that are acceptable to like um right but like hip-hop wasn't really part i mean you know and and i mean it was on the peripheral but i don't jason was that your experience too uh yeah absolutely I I all of our all of my friends growing up who were you know super crazy straight edge gnarly metal hardcore bros also listened to you know all of those bands Smiths Morrissey everyone idolized them everyone had Morrissey haircuts and and wore the same outfits and but also everyone listened to a lot of like very intense hip hop as well see I didn't I was not the hip hop thing was not really part of the vernacular until I got a little older. Mm. Well, speaking of hip hop, I know that, that you're a big beastie boys fan. How would you convince 
Chris and I who are not DC <laughs> Boys fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, what uh what <laughs> how would you convince us to maybe come along? So yeah, the, <laughs> as I mentioned, that was the fir- that was the first record I bought. So that's mm-hmm. that's kind of like a group that man, they've been with me since I was a little it's, kid. It's in your DNA um, at this point. It is, and you know, if you listen to that first record, they're just absolute clowns. And mm-hmm. I think being along with them for that ride, where they got more uh, experimental and in, in their interest. Mm-hmm. Broadened, and uh, you know, uh, you were Adam able to grow really into boys. Buddhism, and it, yeah, it, I felt like when I was listening to those Beastie Boys records in high school. I'm, I'm thinking about Paul's Boutique and Check Your Head and Ill Communication. Um, they would name check so much stuff in their lyrics that you know, I'd say, oh, I need to check out this guy Lee Perry or mm-hmm. uh, or whatever it is, or where they would you know riff on root down i was like oh this is you know this is a a jazz record i need to check out so i think part of the appeal at the time of the beastie boys besides obviously the tunes was it was just really opening me up to to all these different things that they were talking about whether it was um records or musicians or uh you know talking about sports figures or they were just always loading their lyrics with mm-hmm. all these references damn i didn't think about that i mean that makes sense of why it would take hold of you at a young age yeah whereas oh, like yeah. a band like sublime did that for chris perhaps no that's not <laughs> <laughs> i bradley Jason, took one, you on a journey just like you're the one, just like myself you're the one that's from Orange County. Okay, that that is your DNA, bro. The the, the rich mm-hmm. music history of Orange County, as you notice, we did not discuss um, because it would be like it would be like five shitty hardcore bands, and then Sublime is from Long Beach. I think is I, I don't. I guess Sugar what, Ray. Have, we have Sugar Ray. No doubt. Offspring. <laughs> I could go on, but I won't. But yeah. thank you. Thank you. Spare us. Um, Did either of you read or listen to the audio book, that Beastie Boys book that came out a couple years ago? What do you no, think? But pe- people, <laughs> no, we did not, but people fucking love it. It's, it, man, it is so good. And I, I would recommend the audio book as, even if you don't like the Beastie Boys, the, the amount of time they spend talking about growing up in New York City is fascinating. Yeah. That, that mm-hmm. part about them... I, they're one of those, and, and there's a few people I feel this way about, but I'm very happy they're famous because they're like important yeah. in the cultural lexicon. It's just personally, I don't listen to it. I'm like happy they're famous because they're cooler than 99% of famous people. I guess you could, uh, similar to the maybe Jason Lee, where like I'm, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of his acting, but I'm glad that he became a famous actor and was like a professional skater and like turned turned his weird life into like a successful career. Yes, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. I think that's, I think that is cool. It gives, it gives you hope when you're a kid for sure. Um, also from Huntington Beach, just saying. Oh, okay. There we go. Now I knew there, there was. Go. I knew there had to be a tie-in. Mm. Um, I also, Justin, want to talk about some of the the, the music supervision work because we talk to people about their careers a lot on this podcast, and I think that music supervision um, is something people like loosely understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I think it, like they know that someone is putting music in their favorite, you know, television shows and movies and commercials. Um, but I think the actual process behind it and what that what is required besides someone like you has like an encyclopedic knowledge of music in general. Um, like what is the process like? Like, let's say you're working on a TV show. What is, what is that process like kind of from start to finish? 
Yeah, well, every project is different, whether it's a TV show, a film, a commercial. Um, I think one of the biggest misconceptions as, you know, it's just having this uh, encyclopedic knowledge of music. People don't think about the, the clearance and the licensing obstacles and just the myriad ways that those deals shake out in 2020 with uh, just so many different avenues of, of, of how something is being viewed. You know, if you're working on a, a car commercial, there's the you know, there's the car commercial and then there's the the spot that they cut for YouTube. And then there's, mm. you know, the 30 second or one minute uh, Instagram bite size portion that they do. And, you know, all of that has to be accounted for when it comes to licensing it. And, and there's there's a different amount of, of rights and money attached to, to anything that so you're does, doing there. Does that mean now that the artist is actually making more money because there's there's just more usage, even though it's for YouTube and Instagram versus just television or broadcast? Okay, if you're asking me this 10 years ago, <laughs> I would say yes. But in the last decade, you know, licensing your music, um, you know, if you remember, let's take it back 20 years, 21 years when Moby put out that album Play, that was one of the first artists that really embraced licensing their music. Before that, it yeah. was, if not verboten, it was just, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't cool, you know? It, That's it was, a big it was part not- of. That's a big part of Moby's books, actually, <laughs> which I have read both of. Um, but he talks about that, how he like did that and, and didn't really realize like how cra- I mean, that made him rich. You know, that yeah. like solidified. I mean, he's he is so rich and people are always like, why? How? And I'm like that one record. It, it, it was every song got licensed 100 times for 10 years, 20 years still to this day. It still does. Yeah. I'm not sure if, if my stats are right, but say there's 20 cuts on that album. I want to say that you know, 18 of those were licensed or something. That, that is a wild Just, ass batting average. That is yeah, wild. No, it's, it's, it's crazy. So you go from play coming out in 1999 to 2020, there's no stigma around licensing your music. You know, it's, it's one of the few revenue sources for musicians now. Um, mm-hmm. So 10 years ago, I feel like artists were able to, to get paid out more than they are now as Again, that it's a revenue source, and everyone is is absolutely open uh, to an extent to license their music. Ba- back then, you would have to make somebody an offer they couldn't refuse to use that song in a commercial. That's right. And nowadays, that's the only way they're going to pay their rent. That's very true. And I think it's also the same way us having uh, erectile dysfunction pill ads on this podcast is a rite of passage. I think like having a big having like a big license like a car commercial or an Apple commercial like in the in the early 2000s or mid aughts that was like a that was like a, a badge of honor almost like it's like it's cool to do that now it's not just it pays the bills yeah you're like oh I'm happy for you that you are able to you know quit your job at Starbucks now because you got this Exactly. Yeah, I think that's so. I, I, what I mean is, Justin, are you seeing less resistance now when you approach? Is there any resistance when you approach artists or labels at this point? Uh, no, not really. Um, <laughs> uh, obviously, if, if it was some sort of product or service that uh, they had an issue with, you'd see pushback there. But you know, man, in the midst of a pandemic, this really is one of the one of the few revenue streams left. Yeah, um, that and also exposure you know just yeah. just getting that that song you know maybe somebody hears that in a car commercial and then they 
They go mm-hmm. stream your record, or, or even better, maybe they actually buy the record. I mean, I'm a big Shazam user. It's my favorite app. Um, it really is. Like, I think Shazam is truly one of the most underrated, brilliant apps of our time. Um, You're a Zam Zaddy. I'm a Zam Daddy. Yes, Zam Zaddy. I use it all the time, but I, I do think that um, I do think that Shazam now is integrated with Apple and Spotify and shit, so it makes a playlist for you and everything. It oh, makes it's it great. It, it makes yeah. it very easy, you know, to go. But so, all right. So let's say, let's just say, you know, for for ease of conversation, it's a it's a car commercial. So there's going to be three cuts of that, and you are you're saying that you're negotiating the price between the the you're not only choosing the music but you're also in in negotiations with the the record label or song owner if it's the artist and the and the company that wants to license it uh it depends on the project so if i was doing if i was working um for a client through an ad agency like let's mm-hmm. say it was a, a car commercial i did a Alexis commercial four years ago and a hey Chris, little Georgia shout out. I did I put a pylon song in there, right? I remember so, this because you got like some it was like a big look for them. I mean, that's like pylon I mean, now they're doing a big, you know, anniversary record and stuff, but at the time it was pretty quiet for them. That's right. And that's just, you know, found money for them for a track that came out. And also in nobody other than you guys knows who this band is, just to let you know. That that is not true. That is not true. <laughs> but maybe I, I am I am uh, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but also not. But the point is, I think the point is, though, of that example, which is good, is that these you were able to pull something that made a giant corporation happy, paid a band that you love a lot mm-hmm. of money, and right. it, it exposed the band to a whole new audience, and it worked really well for the commercial. So it kind of hit everything you were trying to do. Right. And in that instance, I was solely doing the creative aspect. I wasn't having to, you know, do the clearance or the licensing. Their business affair took care of that. Yeah. Um, I was solely charged with, you know, finding the right sound to pair with the commercial and then um, helping them, you know, connect the dots to the rights holders. Now, with an instance like that, too, is Lexus, is that brief clear to you or do they not even have the language to describe what they want? Uh, okay, that one specifically, I was working off storyboards. I knew that it was okay. going to be shooting in Paris, and they were okay. going to shoot during the day, and they were going to shoot at night. Um, so I was throwing all kinds of stuff against it, um, you know, Serge Gainsbourg, to you name it. But we ended up um, settling on that pylon track, cool, and that opening bass line, that was what they they really latched onto that yeah and that's the other thing i think people should understand is that these songs get chopped up into many you know like it, it could literally be that baseline looped and that's the whole thing <laughs> sometimes right. you know but but with the television show where there's a lot of ground to cover and a lot of time to fill um i i feel like it, that's probably is that a less pre is that did you feel less pressure doing that because it's kind of like a whole season and you're in bed with them a little more uh again that depends on the sure. situation um I got to work on one of the final seasons of Bourdain and this one was all in Asia. Um, and a, a lot of times this music stuff comes down to the wire. So, um, and that was seven countries in Asia. So, you know, licensing music from, um, a lot of artists that didn't speak English. So you're having to work with a fixer, just in, just the, the pure translation. And then you're having to deal with the different PROs, the performance rights organizations around the globe. So, each one is its own unique beast, um, and that one. To, I, did you get to build with Bourdain at all, or was this strictly strictly through his people? You know, I 
I was invited to the rap party and it was in New York City. And obviously I live in Los Angeles and I was like, ah, I've got something else going on. And unfortunately he passed about six months after that. So I never got to meet him. Oh man, that's mm. that's a missed op for sure. But that's crazy. I, I mean, that's really interesting to work on that show and, and deal with that. Like that does sound like a big challenge. Just trying to link, make all that work um, is, it sounds like a lot of moving parts. Yeah. I mean, it can, sometimes you're doing this and you know, you're familiar with the artist or the label or the publisher and it, it comes together very smoothly. But um, again, if you're doing something more complicated where you're dealing with, uh, you know, a, a dozen artists um, in Asia um, and you are having to deal work with a fixer just to, you know, translate yeah, you know, what you're approaching. That, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a different different can of worms. So well, speaking of the mu- go ahead, Jason. For um, a, a lot of people would consider music supervisor to be like a really fun job um, and and potentially easy because everyone thinks that they have great taste in music and all you have to do is pick that. But <laughs> like, true. you know, a, a big part of the job is is mostly just like the paperwork and the relationships and the back scratching and like, I'll, I'll let you sync this song if you do this other artist that I have on my roster that sucks, blah, blah, blah. What, um, you know, do you, do you think that music, music supervision is like kind of a heavily guarded industry or, or career path because it is such a sweet gig if you're able to get it? I'm in a unique, uh, unique position. Um, I, it, it's not my, you know, it's not my, my one job, yeah, my one yeah, source yeah. of income. So I'm only taking on projects that I feel you know genuinely passionate about, um, but yeah, if, if, if this was, you know, this is what I did day in, day out. Um, yeah, it, it would be a very different, different game. That is so, you know, since you're touching every part of the music business, how fucked is the industry, bro? Let's get real here. How bad is it? How bad has COVID made it? How do we get out? Man, it's tough. Um, you know, unless this miracle vaccine drops soon, I think it's going to get a lot grimmer. Um, you know, we were discussing the lack of, of income revenue streams for artists, you know, before COVID, you know, now you've taken out touring, um, which is just a killer for a lot of artists. So, um, I, I don't know. I don't know where things are going to go from here. I mean, I, I can tell you, um, from my own experience, um, I'm a partner, in this project uh, called Gold Digger Sound in East Hollywood, where a recording studio, club, bar, boutique hotel, uh, we just kicked off our live stream series. This is something I've been working on all summer to try to put the pieces together. We kick it off September 1st with Mary Lattimore. So I think everyone's trying to pivot and find ways to stay afloat amidst this, but um yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, how, Meaning, what have how, what have you been doing? You know, if you if you own or you 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 are a partner in a live music venue, are are there any other ways for you to make money right now with this space? Or are you been have you been able to rent it out for f- filming or anything like that? We're in a unique position, so. Um, or are you just taking the we out? have we have um, <laughs> we have two buildings. We have the recording studio. It's 8,000 square feet with uh, nine studios in it and a soundstage. It's Ed Wood, the filmmaker's old studio. Mm-hmm. And then we have a building that is a bar slash club, 170 capacity with uh, a nine-room boutique hotel upstairs. So we've transformed. I've, I've never been blacked out in that club in my entire life, by the way. Just letting you know. <laughs> <laughs> that has never happened. Yeah, 
Yeah, we've Jason transformed. Is familiar. Jason's very familiar with your establishment. <laughs> I, I like to hear that. We've transformed the bar into a soundstage. So you walk in there now, and it's lighting, cameras, mm. cables. So you know we haven't opened our doors since March 14th or something. So there's been no no income coming in that way. So we've pivoted to. Um, we're doing this live stream series. You know, artists can, in addition to recording in the studios, um, the way that the club is set up, um, our studio partner, Dave Trumpio, he set up the club um, in terms of the audio that it, it sounds like a studio. Um, so we're, you know, we're just trying to, to figure out ways to, to use what we've got. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that, I think that the, the, idea i mean i feel like everybody still wants to make records right now it's actually a great time no you can't go on tour so you should be making a record you know what i mean so like the idea of being able to move in somewhere and record there is probably maybe more attractive yeah is the, how's before. the how's the recording studio biz going right now how's how's the booking schedule looking it's going pretty good um again we're in a unique position so we have an artist in there right now it's under nda but they have mm-hmm. for the past six weeks. Give us a hint, huh? We'll <laughs> they have essentially rented out the campus, and they're not leaving the campus. They're staying in the hotel. They are recording in the studio. All their meals are catered in, um, and, that, and that's how they're doing it. Um, so they just took over. They can they can live there. They can record there. They have full reign of the entire space. Right. That's and they're cool. getting they're getting tested. Um, you know, still COVID daily. Um, and I'm sure you guys have heard, but um, supposedly there's going to be some some rapid COVID testing kits coming out in the next six weeks. And if those turn out to work, I think that could uh, could really change things. Mm. Yeah, totally. I mean, that, that but that is crazy that somebody can they don't have to leave. You know, that's like a that's a great way to make money right now because leaving is the problem. You know yeah, it's like, it's like, you know, the NBA bubble or I heard Tyler. Perry in Atlanta has created some sort of uh, bubble where he brings in everyone for the mm-hmm. productions Dude, he's doing. And it's fucking wild. Apparently, he's just doing it all. It's just like no problem. Yeah. Which I, Except I, I for mean, paying paying people. But yeah, he... Uh, yeah, otherwise he's good. He developed a very <laughs> cool system. And he also is now a billionaire. Yes, that was announced this week. I mean, that the, the, the cult following of Tyler Perry knows that the, the powers are great. They're very, very strong. Um, well, speaking of not being able to go anywhere, I I get a feeling that you're a little bit of a, a fan of of Japan, and now that you're not able to travel there anymore, where are you getting all of your inspiration from? I have been reading a lot of the Paul Thoreau books. Are you guys familiar with him? Yeah, totally. I've been yeah super deep dive on those just trying to yeah again i really miss travel um i just wrapped up ghost train to the eastern star which came out in 2008 um, which was him retracing his steps 30 years later um uh, across europe and asia uh from the book that kind of broke his career in 1975. I'm about to start another one of his books. Uh, Chris, you might appreciate this. It's called Deep South, which I guess he takes his brand of vanguard travel writing uh, down to the southeast. So, yeah, I think I, I've been... You, you, you I reading. I've, I've, been, I've been reading, yeah, a lot of things set abroad. I just reread um, The Sheltering Sky. Um, so, you know, my mind was in 
Saharan Africa. You know, so you're, for a week. so you're, ta- you're, you're mentally taking a vacation as much as you can. You're going on a journey in your mind, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> even with even with my kid, we just watched that. I think it's Netflix or Amazon that you know toughest race challenge with the host is Bear Grylls. You guys Where know they, this? No, I thought oh, the only one we hear about is the Zac Efron one. So please inform us about the new Bear Grylls vehicle. <laughs> so this this is good. It's like ten episodes. It's the Eco Challenge. It's sixty teams competing in Fiji over ten days. Sixty teams. That's a lot of fucking people. Yeah, it, it's it's intense. Um, yeah, if if you like that kind of stuff, it's great. But again, it's you know being able to. Um, <laughs> You know, watch something where you know they're in Fiji. It's beautiful. They're facing all these these physical and uh, and mental challenges. Um, yeah, I've been I've been going astral with the traveling. Jason just turns on his 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 iMac screensaver, you know, and he disappears to to wherever it takes him. Um, <laughs> Damn, I wish I had an it, iMac. It, it, he said he just smokes weed, and then he's he's like you said, he's in Africa, he's in Asia, he's in Australia. Right. What I do it's is cra- I take off and go to Mars sometimes. Um, <laughs> exactly, you blast off is what we'd call that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, that's good. I'm glad that you're doing that. I. Um, I also know that you're very into running. Are you still? How how is how's the quarantine? Are you pounding with? the? Are you pounding the pavement, King? Yeah, it's good. I mean, I think that is, if anything's kept me sane throughout this, it's being able to do that. Um, what's, the, what's the running schedule look at? How many miles are we getting a week? Let's really, you know, we really need to know the nitty gritty here. I would say drop the Strava receipts, bitch. Six, drop if the I, <laughs> yeah, if I can, if I can get it in six miles five days a week. Shit, oh, that's pretty serious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um again, that that depends on schedule. Is that just the warm up or is that the whole that thing? Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's yeah. that's the whole thing, baby. Um, you got a kid and that, stuff, I get it. You but no, you. I I think that has has really really helped. Um obviously physically, but man, just just mentally being able to get out there and just zone out for a little bit. Are you bit. running in the hood or, or in your neighborhood or do you drive somewhere where it's a little more flat? No, I'm running in the neighborhood, man. Those hills. I don't. You're doing see, it Joe the, Rogan style. You got a fanny pack. I do not have a fanny pack. Something to no look fanny into. Pack? No what fanny you, pack. What do you? Where do you where, keep where, your knife? <laughs> 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 yeah, where do you keep your Gatorade chews and your knife? I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, this is this is L.A., man. This so is the wild, so wild when west. so when you're writing, I, you are you're listening to music or an, a book on tape or something like that. Am I am I wrong? It depends. Um, most of the time, music, um, but more often than not, lately I've just been not listening to anything. Just trying to raw dog shit. You're doing you know, it trying wrong? to trying to get into some sort That's of the best way to do it. But it's clear also, space. It's, it's the it's the best way, but it's also the most difficult. You know, you, it's just just you and the damn road and your thoughts. I've tried, and man, it did not work. I, I mean, I just cannot. But it took you some time to work up to that. Yeah, um, not everyone has the I, demons inside of their head. Uh, I the will say this: this true. latest heat wave has kept me off the pavement for a bit. Which what, is, what kind of shoes are we wearing? I am wearing Adidas, as Whoa. my wife's a design director there, so I get half off. Oh, okay, I see. So you're, we know where your brand loyalty lies. Let's talk about the That's inseam right. length, my friend. What are we? Yeah, what are, are we? Are <laughs> we sub Justin, five? What's going on? Justin's. I feel like Justin could be. I, I feel like he could hit a three, three inch inseam. I'm not kidding, Justin. I'm I'm up for anything, man. <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> no, but what, I'm, what, I'm open. What is the normal? I appreciate that that um, you know attitude. But what what do you? What is the what is the inseam now? Like where are we at on on the jog now? Oh man, are, are, are we just talking about shorts here? Yeah, yeah, we're talking about shorts. Are we? Yeah, yeah. We're, I I I this is, I, this I go pretty short. Podcast. I'm like I'm like a I'm like a four or five inch. See, that's what I thought. That's so, what I thought, and that's good what man. He's, that's what we support on this show. Um, that is that is kind of a, a, a hallmark of this program. Um, yeah, even even the Patagonia baggies are too long for me to run in. Yeah, I I, go. I got the I got the two inch marathon short from Nike earlier this year, and it's it's really easy to get used to, even though it feels insane the first time you put it on. Yeah, I you know I I think that it, it's key to have those things short. I swear by it. Mm-hmm. What kind of what kind of socks are we wearing? Because I'm big into <laughs> specialty socks. <laughs> Again, I'm, I've just got the Adidas. This guy is so fucking brand loyal. Look, they're paying That's her, right. not you. Okay, man. That's right. Like, you know, I know it's a, I know it's a family <laughs> unit, though. I I'm getting the socks for free, though, Chris. Oh so. shit! All right, now we're talking. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't realize. Um, <laughs> I didn't. That changes everything. <laughs> you know uh, what? Okay. Speaking of running shoes, I actually I hadn't worn these in a while. I just bought some uh, New Balance 990s. Just to hang. Just to hang. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a timeless I, shoe. It's it's one of the most comfortable. So Jason, I don't know if you know this. Jason wears a size seventeen um, because Holy he's very shit. he's very tall. So why, why would he know that? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> It'd be cool. It's kind of it's kind of the most interesting thing about you. So anyway, he, he wears a size he wears a size seventeen shoe, and it's really tough for him to find footwear. Obviously, but New Balance, I feel like Jason they they often have you covered. Yeah, I would I would say they offer the the largest selection of. Of freak show styles, in my <laughs> big people, big people feet, mm-hmm. plus size, plus size footwear is for, what I like yeah, to call for it. a bigger guy like myself. For a bigger That's guy right. like you, but I don't know if I mean, did when Justin, do you find yourself wearing shorts all the time in LA? Because after my temporary move here, I have I haven't put on pants like twice, maybe. You've been hanging out with TJ too long. I put on jeans for the first time in six months last night. So yeah, it, it's mostly. Damn, you shorts. have a court date, jury duty. What? What's the occasion? <laughs> yeah. uh, it was my it was my buddy's my buddy's birthday and okay. uh, yeah we we had a we had a little hang so I thought I'd put on hard pants as I started to call them <laughs> hard hard pants hard that's, pants that's exactly what they are though putting yeah. on pants after this 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 time here I mean but you you have a lot of you have some outdoor space at your house so you're able to you're not cooped up no man we're really fortunate yeah plenty plenty of space here what um what, what would you say your level of social distance hanging um, you know, where are you at on the on the scale of of freak to irresponsible? Uh, I think uh, or you are know, you responsible an with freak? it? But uh, you know, I responsible, but I I also feel that you have to keep living. Yeah, you know? I, that's the stance on this podcast as well. <laughs> we're we're responsible, but you know, I was watching Jason, you know, make ribs for five hours last night, so <laughs> it's um. <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, but we that's need... just you and I in a in a, in a backyard. That's that's you know. true. That's true. That's true. What you know, last last episode, um, we had a, we had a guest, Leslie Arfin, who um, lives in Los Feliz, and she was ranking her L.A. grocery stores, um, and she put Gelson's number one. Um, she put Whole Foods number one. Oh, I'm sorry, Whole Foods is number one. Gelson's is number two. 
Maybe. Yeah, I guess so. What What were her thoughts on the Los Feliz Albertson? Because it has its own Instagram account. It's like a there's like a cult like <laughs> following. Actually, she said that it, it is such a shithole that she wouldn't be surprised if that location was where COVID actually started. <laughs> Comparing it to that. that of a Wuhan wet market. <laughs> but um, check this out: best music of any grocery store I've ever been to. Really? Albertsons. What? Yes. Oh, this you is know, a new development. Yeah, this is a new development. In, in, so in guys' grocery games. So you're saying that you're hearing stuff that you both know and you're discovering stuff? Or you're saying it's just hit after hit? Man, it's just more like you'll go in there and they're playing Steely Dan or Jerry Rafferty. or It's just, yeah, it's all stuff that you know. So, so there's, some, there's like a manager there who is putting in the time. He's building those, spotty, those Tidal and Spotify playlists. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. On his 15... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, okay. that's, that is good to know. That is some insider info. That yeah, is. That, that everybody that works there looks like they're out of central casting. And yeah, like I said, it's got its own Instagram page. Mm. Wow, I didn't know that. But, but is that a place that you shop or are you saying that you just like the vibe? I like the vibe, yeah. And, you know, it's easy. <laughs> I used to live in Los Feliz, so it was a four-minute walk from where I used to live. Um, but, yeah, she was talking about grocery stores. Uh, I'm here in Glassville Park, so I'm going to Sprouts a lot. Damn, Sprouts is a left field contender. Jason, tell us what you know about Sprouts. Uh, Sprouts is, I, I, I think it's somewhere in between a Whole Foods and a Trader Joe's. Um, where That's it's, fair. There's a lot of bulk items, lower, lower price points, decent amount of, of vegetarian and vegan selections, while still maintaining a, a mainstream level of, of food as well. They they opened one near my parents' house in in Atlanta, and I never went in. I don't know. I just I just didn't. Oh, ever ultimately, feel it's mid, but it's it'll it'll do in a pinch. I say it has everything you need. Sure. Um, mm. Also, you know, speaking of food and cooking, do you do you guys were you guys at some point posting recipes or or sharing recipes on on uh, on AD? Wow. Okay, man. Old school. Two thousand five when I started it, it was um, it was kind of a fluke. I was just I just started this thing to instead of having like an email chain with friends, um, this was just a way to post whatever I was reading or watching or listening. But I would also post like you know some recipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know? you like to share that, that. That quickly dissolved though and just turned strictly to music. Mm. So are you still cooking it up? Yeah, we're still cooking. Um, I think like everyone, we've gotten pretty burned out on cooking. So I feel like we're doing a lot more uh, delivery than we were. Mm. <sighs> That's oh, all no. of us. That's all of us, sweetheart. It's not, not me. just you. Yeah, yeah. I never gave up. Out. I never sold out, bro. Still that, at it. <laughs> I mean, still at it. <laughs> for better or worse, I don't know if, I mean, I, I feel like you're, I guess we all have a lot more time to burn. So you're doing that, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's probably not the most useful and productive way to spend my time, but you know, it is what I love. Well, are you doing the thing where you you know you've got a favorite cookbook and you're like, all right, I'm just going to go page by page? Are you doing it like that, or is it more ad hoc, like freestyle? Uh, it's it is definitely more ad hoc freestyle. I I never really cook recipes out of a cookbook. I usually will just I'll browse around on the internet, get inspired by something, and then. You know, find a recipe that I think sounds the most in line with my sensibilities and current ingredients, and then you know, kind of build a little my own custom version of a recipe based on that. 
He's, All right. I'm he's coming da- over tonight. What are we eating? <laughs> no, honestly, honestly, he's downplaying it. Jason's an incredible cook, and I I enjoy the fruits of his labor all the time. That wasn't um, a downplay. I was I was bragging about how cool I am and how good I am at cooking. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. I, I'm sorry. I, I I was confused. It was an upplay, if anything. Um, and it, I I need you, Justin, to put us on to some new music that we need to know about. Is there anything that the listeners should know? Because somebody put me onto something this week, and I was actually it's called um, Lomelda. And the album is called Hannah. Uh, it's on a record label called Double Double Whammy. And okay. I'm I'm just really into all it. all of rare. the words you just said. I don't. I did not like my my friend listener of the show Jake Gallagher put me on, and I was like, this is actually very good. And and it's you know I think that that we have an expert on the line here. If if you have anything you'd like to suggest, it's really been you know an earworm for you lately. We'd love for you to share. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Let's see. I found something about a month ago. Through the magic of Spotify, this guy, he's about 19 or 20. Uh, his name is Chico Bernadez, and okay. you can find him on Spotify or Bandcamp. He is from Brazil. He's a, I guess you would classify him as a, a folk artist, okay. um, but it's great. Obviously, all sung in, in Portuguese. I've been listening to that a lot. Um, I'm going to plug Aquarium Drunkard right now. We just released this morning. Um a Lanyap session with Dirty Projectors. That's a series that we do where artists do cover songs. And he did two tracks um, from that uh, that seminal self-titled yeah. uh, Stan Getz Gilberto album. Oh, wow. Um, cool. You know, I love is, that that series because that was where I heard the greatest cover of um, the Gin Blossoms that I've ever heard. Oh, that White Fence one. Yeah. <laughs> that shit. Allison Road is a fucking classic, and real heads know that, but his cover of, of Allison Road, like, that really lit me up. Out of all the Gin Blossom covers over the years, this was the first, <laughs> yeah. the, this was the top. Exactly. But honestly, that series is great, and I feel like it's, it's probably, are people usually pretty happy to participate because it's something new and kind of challenging? Yeah. And I think it's, it's fun. You know, it's, I think from a, from a listener standpoint, it kind of gives you a little window into into what that artist, what, what you know, what they're influenced by, what they're listening to. Um, and from the artist standpoint, I mean, it's it goes from you know pretty standard covers to sometimes like wild uh, yeah. imaginations of, of uh, just reimagining the the entire thing and reinterpreting it. Some of the some of, yeah some of it's just absolutely fascinating. That's what I I mean. That's what's interesting is the 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 White Fences cover of of Jim Blossoms to me was like pretty. It, it stayed pretty true to the original, but it still felt very him. You know, uh-huh. I, which which I think is all, as hard to do as making it like totally insane. Like I think those are the two things that interest, yeah. me, the mo- it interest me the most. You know, um, but so there's a new Dirty Projectors one that is that is up now on the site. Yeah, it came out this morning. Um, Dave Longstreth, the the main cat in that group, he just put out his latest EP, uh, I believe, last Friday. Um, what else? There's a there's a group called Paint, based here in Los Angeles. It's Pedram from that band Ala Laz. This is his own oh, project. Cool, cool, cool. He just released like his second record, which is killer. Um, I like the name Paint. Very cool. Yeah, name. it works. It works. Um, what else? There's a, there's a group from, I think Norway I've been listening to past few months called Orion's Belt. Mm. They're worth checking out. Um, top five constellations. My guy's on his real international flavor with his books and his music, Jason. That's right. We need to we need to branch out a little more because Jason only listens to Radiohead and Drake. So he needs to, (laughs) he's an Aphex twin. 
So he needs to branch out a little. I bit. listen to No Drake. Okay, so Radiohead and Aphex Twin, though, that's it. That's it. Okay, well, you know, there's, there, that's an A side and a B side. I've heard I mean? there's other music out there. <laughs> yeah, right. I wouldn't AquariumDrunkard.com. Yeah, exactly. It's the, it's the, it's the website. Uh, Justin, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure, man. Um, yeah, great, great good, chatting with you guys. Good catching up. And um, so, yeah, AquariumDrunkard.com is the, is the website. Um, uh, tell, social media is the same, I believe. Uh, yeah, Twitter, Aqua Drunkard. Instagram is just Aquarium Drunkard. Yeah. Great. Um, yeah, and if, if you need to discover new music, you know, bypass the big guys that, that give these, you know, number numerical reviews and go straight to my man here. Um, that, you know what I'm saying? We're fucking with it. We're fucking with the big indies on this side. It's a number free zone on this side. Exactly. It's, That's yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but honestly, I love the side I've been reading for years. Um, I, I think it's a really interesting place on the internet. So thanks for chatting to us about it. And we will talk to you soon. You bet. All right. Later, Justin. See ya. Bye.